The Greg Kelly Show. Greg not here today. Hopefully we'll be back tomorrow. It's yours truly, Curtis Lewa. And again, back-to-back, belly-to-belly, as he was with me yesterday, John Katsimatidis, owner and operator of the flagship station uh, of the Greg Kelly Network. That's WABC and a great talk show host in his own right and frequent guest uh, on the Fox News Channel and the Fox News Business Channel uh, especially about all things business and all things involving the borders uh, in Mexico and I the United States. To, Curtis, I was supposed to be on Chris Cuomo's show last night, and then he didn't like some of the answers I was going to give him. Wow. You mean you had to submit to a pre-interview? Yeah, his producer called me and said, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about that? I guess I got thrown off. I guess he didn't like what I was going to say. I, I, I mean, I, I wasn't saying anything that bad. I know, but you know in the old WABC long before, and you have to understand this, uh, we were on the ash heap. Uh, WABC was just about to go dark, the most iconic call letters in all of radio. And then John Katzmatidis, along with his wife Margo, came along, bought the station, and saved us from being turned into a Hindu language station, Hindi, or it could have been uh, a Cantonese or Mandarin, uh, or any number of foreign language stations that would have bought our stick. And now we are the number one station by day across the nation and the number one station at night across the world. We're not in Antarctica yet. Not yet. But Chris Cuomo used to be my partner in the afternoons a long time ago. He was negotiating with ABC TV where he was on 2020 and they wanted him to do the morning show, Good, uh, Good Morning America. And he was sort of holding out. So they said, well, maybe he could be a talk show host in the afternoon. Curtis, you could work with the devil. You'll work with Chris. Uh, for a month. I, I like him. He's not a bad guy. I, mean, I, I know, but back then he was the consummate professional. I, I'm a journalist. I don't have an opinion. So finally, the suits at the old WABC sat him down. They said, you're a nice guy, and you get along with Curtis, but you never have an opinion. And he goes, but I can't. I'm a journalist. Then he went to CNN, which became for a while the Cuomo National Network with him and his brother. He had an opinion on everything. Now he's on a network he can't even find, and he won't accept you who are a frequent guest on the Fox News Channel and the Fox Business Channel. I, I don't understand it. <laughs> Oh, my, no, no, my. But anyway, let's deal with the setback uh, that just took place uh, on the Hill involving uh, Joe Biden and his administration. Chuck Schumer, majority leader of the Democratic Senate, who had a bipartisan conference work uh, for what they said was three months on coming up with a compromise on border security that would be part of this massive package to give $60 million to the Ukraine, $14 billion to Israel, $4 billion to Taiwan for their defense against mainland China, and anywhere between 8 to $12 billion for increased border security, mostly down between the border between Mexico and the United States. McConnell was on board. They were happy. They said, we've got to compromise. And then, John, you sent me the word this morning immediately that McConnell has folded, has said, no mas, no mas, there is no agreement. Uh, we That's are not. It. I mean, Anthony Weiner would have drove us crazy 
Oh, see, it's the law. We can we can get five thousand people in every day for the rest of our lives, and it's the law. Did they not realize that probably the most pragmatic uh, choice should just be? And I heard O'Reilly say this. He wanted his, uh, to cease and desist uh, on accepting any asylum seekers for six months. I say a year until we get the system back on track. Until we. Why don't we ele- wait till at least November fifth, the election? No, that that's an excellent then, idea. Let the people of the, of the United States of America decide if they want more migrants, if they want none, or. There should be, I want immigration, but it should be control on it, like the days of Ellis Island. And not only that, there are many out there. The Wall Street Journal for years that I've read has always been pro-letting as many as possible because we need cheap labor. And that's, listen, Curtis, that's what this election next Tuesday is all about. Mozzie versus Swazi. Swazi wants to, wants to, he's going to vote with President Biden. He's going to vote with the Democratic uh, Congress. They want migrants, 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 5,000 a day. Mazi, I think, will vote on the Republican line. And he says that we should have more control over who's coming and going. Oh, absolutely. And just to speak of that, the compromise that has been abandoned by Mitch McConnell because he can't even get Republican senators to back it. Oh, they were upset. Right. They were. I, I spoke to uh, Tim Scott. He was very upset. I spoke to uh, John Kennedy. He was upset. Uh, Ted Cruz was very upset. I mean, they were all upset. Uh, Rick Scott was so upset. You, you, you Can I ask you a question, yes. John? Every time I call these guys, they introduce me to Mr. Click. They answer your calls, whether they're Democrats or Republicans. John Katsimatidis Don't is Don't you know call- why? Tell us. I got checks appeal. And your checks don't bounce. And my checks don't bounce. <laughs> See, that's the main thing. <laughs> it's like Trump if, used to if say. If they don't answer my call, <laughs> if they don't answer my call, they never get another check again. <laughs> They're so quick. John's calling. They drop everything because his checks don't bounce. My checks, forget about it. Uh, they go nowhere, so they you don't know, answer hey, my call. Some people have sex appeal. Some people have <laughs> checks appeal. <laughs> You're so right. But. McConnell thought for sure he had this bipartisan coalition with Schumer, and they were going to allow, as John said, 5,000 to legally come in each day as asylum seekers. They would parole them into the country. By the end of the year, uh, that would equate to about 1.8 million residents, which is the population of the fastest-growing city in America, Phoenix, in Arizona, and I think most Americans didn't realize that that was the compromise. And they say, what? 5,000 a day across the border? And what about all those who sneak across illegally? Uh, we're not even counting those. And enough is enough. I think people want uh, to cease and desist accepting any asylum seekers right now until we sort of we rework the you grid. talk about asylum seekers. That's what's going to happen wrong in uh, in Germany, in France, you know why? The French families are having one or two children. The Muslim families have moved in, and I have nothing against Muslims. I have nothing against uh, nothing against Sunnis or Shiites, but it depends. 
if you're French, do you want your country to be French? Or do you want, that's the reason for Brexit. You know what happened in Brexit? Oh, and I was going to finish the sentence. Uh, the Muslim families are having 14. So after maybe 30, 40 years, the Muslims will be able to outvote the French themselves. Now, in, in England, England, up, up to about 10 years ago, England, 67% of England was British. And, hey, that's what England is, British. And, and they have a lot of colonies. They have a lot of it from India, from other countries, from South Africa. And the British always welcomed them. But all of a sudden, they woke up one day, and they were down to 47% from 67. You know what they said? They said, Oh, crap. You, you know, who does England belong to? And that was the real reason. They don't talk about it, but that was the real reason for Brexit because the European community just had open borders. And maybe that's what President Biden wants, open borders. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, yeah, but we, we, but we got to know who's coming and going. There's no doubt. Venezuela can't open up all the jails and send them out to well, us. Well, John, well, they learned that. Maduro, who took over for Hugo Chavez, who died, learned from their mentor, remember, Fidel Castro. Fidel Castro in 1980, and you know Fidel Castro. Uh, you traveled to Cuba many times. I accompanied you one time. Uh, had some dissidents. They went over the wall. They were in the Chilean embassy in 1980. Yeah, but you were criticizing Castro while we're still there. I said to you, Curtis, wait till we leave. I was broadcasting from Cuba advocating. To WABC. Yes, death to Castro. And everyone was saying who were part of the security apparatus of Fidel Castro, loco americano, let's get him the hell out of the country rather than put him in our gulags because this guy is a crazy American. Oh, my God. You're lucky we left alive. <laughs> well, look, they gave us our passports back, right? Yep. They didn't detain you or Margot. And John had brought an entire entourage over of Greek Orthodox. The archbishop was there. We were there with the prince and the, and the king, King Constantine. They opened up a new uh, uh, church. A Greek Orthodox church. And you, and you know who paid for it, right? <laughs> Fidel Castro paid for the church. Because he wanted to show that he was open-minded to religion. And I said to you, John— And as there's a picture I can't find. The picture I can't find is— uh, when the priest or the arch, or the bishop or the archbishop or the patriarch, I forget who it was, was putting a cross over his head, and he accepted the cross. Yeah, but I said to you, remember, while we were sitting there through that endless ceremony, every Orthodox— uh, uh, went on forever. Big Macha, the Romanians, the Serbians, the Russians. And we were Russians. sitting, me and you, you took Margot's ticket because she refused to go. Exactly. And uh, I said, this is an endless ceremony, and it was all to prove— the Castro was open-minded to having religion on the island. And I said, John, how many Greek Orthodox are there here on Cuba? About 12. <laughs> and a few Russian Orthodox. You know, some of the we Russians all, who also, didn't go back to the old Soviet yeah, Union. We, we, also, we also service the Russian community. Yes. Yes, but it was a, a great occasion. And I'm telling you, one thing I learned from that, you can actually go to YouTube 
And she courteously went in Havana as I was teaching the youngsters there to play stickball, the game of our youth. You played it when you grew up in Harlem. I played it. I was the commissioner of stickball in New York City. They loved and they, it. They, they learned fast. Yeah. Oh, they, you can see it in the video. Courteously went Havana. And you can see me also advocating death to Vitel Castro, death to Hugo Chavez, because a whole group of Venezuelans were visiting the Museum of the Revolution which, you know, touted how they were able to overthrow Batista and then fend off the United States, JFK, and the CIA at the Bay of Pigs. Unbelievable. I I laid down in front of a T2 tank, and you hear me saying, death to Castro, death to Chavez, and you see all the Cubans and the Venezuelans going, loco americano. Loco americano. (laughs) They thought you were nuts to do that in downtown Havana. They did. They did, but what an experience. When Cuba opens up, you know, every minister of tourism is praying. They light candles on Friday. Please allow Cuba to be communist because if they become capitalists and open up, nobody's going to want to go anywhere else in the Caribbean or Florida. Everyone is going to want to go to Havana and Santiago. Those beaches me and you went to with Margot oh. were really beautiful beaches. I know, but just Havana itself, it's like a movie set. Yes. People will all want to flock there. And and the people are so nice. Remember, there was that one waiter who came up to us in the hotel that was for the tourists. And he was the aggressive one. Everyone there is make work. You just show up because there's no work to do. And I said, you know, one day I think you're going to open up and have a a restaurant in South Beach in Cuba. And he looked around and he said, that's my dream. Do you know five years later... (laughs) He was on one of those rickety rafts. He made it over to Florida, and he's got a restaurant in South Beach now. He's living the American dream. As we continue here, Greg Kelly out today. Hopefully, he'll be back tomorrow. He's a little under the weather. and we got I to- talked to Judith, his wife, Yes, and he's getting a lot better. She, he has that, that uh, type A flu, so he'll be, you know, his temperature's down, and he should be in maybe tomorrow or the next day. Good, good, good. Uh, because uh, the listeners miss him, and they've had enough of my Michigash. But when we come back, electricity. There is a whole movement throughout America to electrify everything. Buildings, the grid, cars, stoves, so that everything that you use in America will one day be electrified. And a man who stood up against electricity, even the AC of Thomas Edison, is our own John Katsimatidis, and he'll explain it up next. Greg Kelly. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Greg Kelly Show. Well, you know, you mentioned uh, what uh, Greg Kelly is recovering from, John. What is, what is that particular strain of flu? Well, there's three of them. And the test I gave uh, myself before I went on an airplane last week, 
was it's either COVID or flu A, which is uh, uh, viral, or flu B, I think, is uh, bacterial. And you can't take the, the same message. Uh, I think it's flu A. And his wife, uh, I think, had the same thing. John Jr., my son, spoke before the Miami Economic uh, Conference uh, on Friday. And when, you, when you're there with 500 people, guess what happens? Oh, yeah. and uh, somebody, somebody has it. This is a strain that's hitting a lot of people now. Uh, you can't treat it with antibiotics in the normal way. No, no antibiotics. Flu B mm. is antibiotics. Right. Flu A, uh, Theraflu. Uh, aspirin, Tylenol. Basically, you're in the sack resting and schwitzing. You're, you're sweating it out of your pores, but it's horrible. People have described to me, John, that sometimes they're bedridden for a week or two, and it's debilitating because right away you fear, is this a new strain of coronavirus, a new strain of COVID-19? But it's not. It's just a strain of flu. Yep. Now, did they say the flu shot uh, wait, wait a second. You know, the flu shot is, you know, it's a little bit controversial. Well, yeah. Dr. Katsimatidis. You know, the flu shot will cure about 12 flus out of 500. You know, when when my children were growing up, my, my sons, that is the time that you get sick the most as an adult because yep. the children, they catch you it. You catch it from right? one of your kids. And I got the flu shots thinking I'd prevent them from getting the flu. I was never sicker in my life than when I got flu shots. Now, maybe for some it works. It did not work for me. Did not work for me. So I haven't had a flu shot since. Now, I've been uh, shot five times with hollow point bullets. Uh, Not exactly like taking a uh, flu shot. (laughs) It hurt a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the lead poisoning I'm worried about there. But um, They get all the lead out. Uh, no, there are particulae that uh, float around, and they cause me problems from time to time. They infect, uh, like your intestines, you know, your colon, your ileum, your intestines. Nasty little floating particulae of lead. And I think of all the times that I used to chew on those number two leaded pencils, and it never bothered me. Who knew that I would be shot full of lead many years later? But, hey, I'm on my way to my 70th birthday. I'm going to make it, John. we got to have a big party for you. Do I get to join your club? It's the John Katsimatidis, Al D'Amato, Peter King. No, 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 no. We're members of the 70s club. Al D'Amato is members of the 80s club. And Cousin Brucey is here. Cindy is a member of the 90s club. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh. The joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Listening to the Greg Kelly Show. John Katzmatidis is like the Nostradamus when it comes to uh, the field of energy production, whether it's fossil fuels, whether it's the alternative energies. And now you have been out there like Paul Revere warning all of America 
that this uh, desire to push a green agenda, especially by electrifying everything, stoves electrified, heat electrified, buildings electrified, cars electrified, they want everything to be electrified, and you have consistently say said, beware of what? Beware. Well, you know, there's uh, if the grid goes out, Curtis, guess what? You're living in the Stone Age. If you're living in a building that has, it's in the winter and it has electric heat and electric stoves and electric everything, if the grid goes out, you can't charge your iPhone, you can't heat your house, you can't get water because the water is pumped up to your floor uh, by, uh, uh, by electric pump. Uh, your, your, your refrigerator is going to go out. If you have an electric car, you are living in the jungle. And, you know, one of the purposes for Space Force, Curtis, was to watch the other enemies of our, our country that are circling up there, and they have the ability. They have the ability to press a button and knock off our grid. Then, guess what? How long would it take for the American people that know that know how to cook on a gas stove or anything to live in a society and there's no electricity? They would freak out, especially in urban areas. The further out you are, rural areas, they'll have other ways. But when you're in the city, you would completely freak out. They'd be out in the streets. If you lived high up in the mountains of Tennessee and you were always a survivor, guess what? It won't affect you. Exactly. Uh, you know, you have a you, you, you have a fireplace, uh, you have a wood stove, a wood stove, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you burn more wood if you you're live cold. off the land. You live off the land. Uh, well, how did it go? Born on the mountaintop of Tennessee. <laughs> so why? Why? That's basic common sense. We know the Red Chinese are very sophisticated in terms of cyber war capability of knocking out a grid. Uh, knocking out uh, everything uh, that affects our energy supply. But they can't knock out, obviously, uh, oil, why petroleum. Is, why is our politicians being so dumb? I, I can't, you know, I've, I've searched, I've searched far and wide. I can't understand why the politicians are so dumb. You know, the Greeks had an old expression. I think the Italians and the Polish did, too. You can't put all your eggs in one basket. And and if you have everything done by electricity, then you're in deep crap. So in America, one thing, because uh, you made your bones in the supermarket business. I walk into a Gristidis or a D'Agostino. I get 12 brands of ketchup, 12 brands of mustard, brands, brands, mu- choice. Uh, the consumer has multiple choice. Why don't they just allow it so that the consumer has choice? Uh, instead of just saying you gotta, we gotta guide you all in the direction of uh, electrifying everything. You've got uh, the choice of natural gas. You've got the choice of fossil fuel. You've got the choice of other ways. You know the 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 more modern ways, uh, wind powered energy. Why not give the consumer the opportunity, if nothing more, to have a hybrid way of getting their energy, so that if one form of energy is under attack or doesn't perform, you can just click it like a hybrid car to the other way of, of keeping your building warm, providing you with hot water, or providing you with a way of cooking your food. 
I can't figure it out. I, I can't figure out why are we that stupid and our leadership does not realize it. You would think, looking at the various conflicts all over the world, I mean, just look right now in Iran. Israel uses cyber warfare to try to prevent them from developing their nuclear weapons with worms, by getting the worms in the cylinders that produce the nuclear-grade uranium that they want to use to make uh, two bombs. And they want to drop one right on Israel and then have another bomb on the side. Meantime, Israel would turn them into a glass highway. There's no doubt about it. But the point is, we see how effective cyber warfare is all over the world. And yet we are target number one. Target number one. New York City is target number one. Absolutely. Terrorists. Do you know the most? some of the most sophisticated uh, cyber uh, attackers come out of Syria, Bashad, uh, Assad? That's all they do. They figure out ways of probing, uh, whether it's water supply, electricity, you name it. And they're constantly probing. Because remember, they're at war with America. They got nothing to lose. And everything to gain. It's not like dropping and bombs it's, it's and then we like, retaliate. It's not like China. It's not like where eighty percent of their people might be living in, uh, you know, in the middle of the uh, the range, the open range, and and they farm and they have chickens and they have uh, and they have cattle and they have uh, sheep. They'll survive. It's us that are concentrating in big cities. Well, give us an idea internationally uh, because the world survives on oil, petroleum. And it's not just uh, for the fuel that we use. Most of the products we use are made out of plastics or um, sort of combination of plastic products. Everything has uh, petroleum in it. Is that uh, who is doing well on the petroleum market now? Which are the countries that are making money now hand over foot? Well, feet? Oh. We the country the United the United States, the world burns a hundred million barrels every day. A hundred million barrels yes. every day. China, uh, uh, Russia makes ten million barrels. Uh, United States and Canada together make about call it, it's about eighteen or nineteen. Call it twenty just to keep the numbers right. So you're up to thirty. Uh, the OPEC nations. Oh my God. Oh, I can't remember. Uh, I think it's about 30 or 40. So yeah, well, remember now, you. Now, for every, that's every day. For every $1 oil goes up, uh, let's say you have a million barrels a day, that's a million dollars a day. So if, you, if it goes up uh, $10, $10 times uh, a billion, that's uh, a billion, $10 times a uh, the price of oil, it's a billion dollars a day that those countries split up. Well, let's look at our, our main enemy, I believe, is uh, mainland China. I call it Red China. They don't have a lot of their own natural resources. Yeah, but a- they get it off from Iran. They get it off from Saudi. They get it off from Russia. You know, if the, and, and they're buying it cheaper because that's the, the, the gig they have. If, if the price of oil was $80, let's say, in Russia. Uh, China is probably paying 60 How are they able to get a reduced rate on their oil? It's called the Schmeist. 
The Schmeist. The Schmeist. Explain the Schmeist. He says, we'll buy your oil, even though you're on the restricted list in the world. Ah. But we're only going to pay you 60 Ah, I see. Cut it's about rate. 30% off. So they buy a cut rate, but then again, they buy a right. lot. Right. Great Britain is buying Russian oil. There's a there's a quirk in the, in in the restrictions. Great Britain is buying Russian. Well, look oil. look at uh, some of the uh, the oil tankers that have gone to the Red Sea. They fly under foreign flag. My dad was a merchant seaman for fifty four years. Towards the end, they never flew under an American flag. Too expensive, too many regulations. So they'd fly under a Liberian flag or a flag of a third world country, Panama. And when I we'd go to pick up my dad, I'd say. Why are you flying the Panama flag? Why are you flying the Liberian flag? He said, it was up to me. It would have to be an American merchant fleet. This is not good because the standards are lower. But Russia was actually transporting its oil through the Red Sea. The Houthis, who are allies with the Russians, attacked two oil tankers that were flying foreign flags, but they were carrying Russian oil. Because, as you pointed out, they have different ways of moving it uh, even though they may have been sanctioned not to move that oil. And how much does Putin make a day on the oil now? Uh, right now, the price is down to 80, 10 million uh, barrels a day, $80 a barrel. That's 800, um, I'm losing track now, $800 million a day. Wow. So he could subsidize this war against Ukraine forever. Oh, no, that's what he's using. That's how he got the money to fight the Ukrainian war. So now your position as part of this legislation in Washington uh, they were going for four levels of funding: Ukraine, sixty billion; Israel, fourteen billion; Taiwan, four billion; and then the border would be anywhere from eight to twelve billion. Huge package. Uh, should we continue to be supporting uh, Ukraine, Zelensky versus Putin? Well, here's here's the story: How much of that money is being stolen by the politicians? Before you know, who's really suffering? Politicians are not suffering. It's the soldiers in the in the streets of the Ukraine. The, 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 both the Russians and the, and the Ukrainians, they hate each other and they're fighting each other. They're suffering. The politicians are probably stealing half the money that goes there. So, when- and you know, you know where the money goes into bitcoins. That's why bitcoins went from seventeen thousand to almost fifty thousand. So bitcoins, which I call crime coins. Yes, that's where they they hide the money. The cryptocurrency that to me is a Ponzi scheme. My opinion, yeah. No, no, no. You're, you're, you're right on. You're spot on. Look, the two biggest guys uh, are going to jail uh, because it's so easy to manipulate. And whenever organized crime is shaking down businesses or extorting businesses now all over the world, including these illegal aliens who were just arrested, they're trafficking in bitcoins, bitcoins, because they have their little bitcoin purse. They're able to transport the money. It goes under the radar screen. Nobody is aware of it. And it just strengthens the criminal enterprise. So without a doubt, you're absolutely on board on that. But uh, would you uh, continue to support the Ukraine in any capacity? Um, a lot of my friends are the soldiers and uh, they said, "Look, uh, let's weaken let's weaken Russia by allowing the Ukraine to weaken Russia, and not, not no American soldiers are dying by and weakening Russia." 
And if you look at it, the battlegrounds, they are fighting the way they used to fight in World War One, World War Two. It's just a slaughterhouse. I mean, hand-to-hand combat. Uh, they're, they're there. They're in trench warfare. Both sides, well, you can't really differentiate between Ukrainians and Russians. Same common uh, religion for the most part. So much in common. This is more like a civil war than it really is a war between countries. The Ukrainians and the Russians are almost family. What the heck are they fighting about? I don't know where this guy Zerinsky uh, came from. Uh, And uh, it's just, uh, I think it's a a bad deal that Russia and Ukraine, but Putin wanted that uh, territory. He wanted access to the Black Sea. And he saw that the Americans were... Us, the Americans, were a bunch of putzes when it came to the Afghanistan. So they said, well, if they gave Afghanistan to China and all that equipment, I might as well go in and take the Ukraine. John, do you believe if Donald Trump was still president that that invasion by Putin into the Ukraine would have taken place? On a scale of 1 to 100? Yes. Zero chance. Mm. Mm. And if he gets elected president? He says he could end that war in a day the moment he is sworn into office. He could end that war, but I don't think Putin will give back much territory. Hmm. All right. John Katzmatidis in the house. Yours truly, Curtis Slee. We're going to take you to the top of the hour. Greg Kelly away today. Not feeling well, but recovering. And when we come back, we've got to deal with the the migrant issue uh, because they are getting things, John. In our city of New York City, that is mind-boggling. Snap cards, which replace the old food coupons. They're getting 40% more on a snap card than, let's say, one of our own Americans would get who are down on their luck or poor or impoverished. And some of them might have been veterans in peacetime or wartime. But but the city's making them promise not to spend the money foolishly. (laughs) At least I get a laugh out of him. (laughs) John, you know the business because you're in the business, supermarket business, and I know the business because I got boots on the ground. I'm a street warrior. When we come back, we got to discuss snap cards for illegal aliens the moment they make their way to the Roosevelt Hotel in the USA. And imagine them. They, They must be saying, I can't believe it. Hotel rooms, snap cards, iPhones, smartphones, health insurance. Isn't it great to be in America? Greg Kelly. This is the Greg Kelly Show. John Katzmatidis, uh, since August of 2022, when the first buses arrived, courtesy of Governor Abbott from Texas to the Port Authority of New York. I've led protests against the migrants being housed here and being given uh, all of the ancillary items that uh, even mommy didn't give them uh, in their country of origin. But ever since then, August of 2022, I have never seen an issue that has gotten more blowback than the decision by the city of New York and the mayor to give snap cards to those who come into the Roosevelt Hotel to be processed and then sent out to another hotel, motel, or Holiday Inn Express somewhere in the five boroughs or in one of the tents. Have, did you expect this kind of intensity from people? Because people who do get snap cards, which 
is the modern way you get food stamps. You just swipe the card. A thousand dollars on the card for a month. And, and you know, some of the people uh, that live in Harlem or uh, in Bedford Stuyvesant they said, "Why isn't some of these cards going to the American poor people? Why isn't it going to the people, the vets, the homeless in the streets? What responsibility do we have?" to uh, people that escaped uh, Central America or South America. Why don't we send them the money over there and let them stay there? Well, exactly. And also, the SNAP card that they get with $1,000 on it for the month for food is 40% more than an American gets who might qualify for food stamps, now the SNAP card. And you know how the SNAP card works. Somebody's picture is on it. You can give that uh, that snap card around. Nobody ever checks it. And then all of a sudden, uh, somebody can give cash to be able to use the snap card. Uh, and then the person with the cash can then go buy all the things you can't get on the snap card. And you do it for a discount. Exactly. In fact, well, he- I can understand why uh, the mayor did it. You know, they ordered all this food for the migrants that the migrants – had a revolution on. They don't want that. Good. Uh, how do you call Starve. it? Starve. Uh, for cocktail food? Exactly. For cocktail food. The, the bagel with yeah, the but, schmear. But it comes down to the kids, Curtis. It's not their fault. They were, sh- they were, they were pulled along. So, so supposedly, this is cheaper than they, they pay for the Fakakta food. Wait a second, So the Chuck. question is, are they paying for both? <laughs> I want to know who the vendors are because whatever That's you say, it. whatever you say, you contract. Wanna know, you want to know where, where the vendors are that are giving the Fakakta food. Exactly, because wherever the vendors are, you know, wherever there are contracts, there are kickbacks. Look, we're trying to assimilate these people into the American way of life, right? The way is... We didn't raise a young John Katzmatidis in that Harlem flat on Moussaka alone. Pretty soon you were eating hamburgers, hot dogs. Am I right or wrong? Eating American cuisine and not Moussaka and other Greek delights. It's the way of assimilation. If you want to be a New Yorker, you got to know how to eat the bagel with the schmear. If you don't eat the bagel with the schmear, you're never going to assimilate into America. And never going to be able to assimilate into New York. But can you imagine? These- when I became, I'm an immigrant. When yeah. I came here, when I was five years old, six years old, I went down and I put my hand on the Bible and my right hand up and I swore allegiance to the United States of America. Are these people swearing allegiance no. to us? No. So what are they doing? They're basically. Why are we doing this? They're getting a free ride. And you know what the real plan is because years from now, before they ever see a federal judge to determine their application for asylum, if it will be accepted or if they would be deported. John, between now and seven years from now, when they have the court hearing, they're going to hook up with a lady. They're going to have a baby. That's an anchor baby. And once that baby is born here, they're American. And guess what? You're not you're not breaking up the family. You're not sending the father back and just keeping her here. They're here forever. We're only one of the few countries where you, uh, aliens come in uh, and have a baby, and that person becomes a citizen automatically. And that's why oftentimes a woman who is pregnant will do everything they can to hold, hold it. Don't break water until you cross the border. You heard that, John, first from me. Don't break water until you cross 
the border. The moment that baby is born in America, nobody's going back. Because the baby is an American, and one thing we here in America cherish is we are not going to break up families, and the illegals know that. Well, God Curtis. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.